In this dynamic episode, we focus on striving for excellence through the implementation of key leadership tactics. This conversation highlights the connection of two warrior minds from different backgrounds, but with similar missions. Our special guest today is a retired Navy SEAL. His name is Brent Gleason. He is an acclaimed motivational speaker, author of a brand new book titled Taking Point and a Successful Entrepreneur. Join us for this no-fluff, down-to-earth conversation where you're going to learn that in life, sometimes taking a risk is what separates those that are successful and those that are not. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle-ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War Movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Rise and night, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War podcast. Listen, I'm not going to take too much of your time here. I just want to remind you to stop by forgingawarrior.com. That is our brand new warrior development program. We are gaining new members every single day. Check this out. Right now, I'm giving you, if you follow this uh, link that I'm giving you, forgingawarrior.com, I'm giving you a very special rate, less than a pack of gum, for 30 days of our silver membership. You got to stop by and check it out. Another thing, please do not forget to continue giving us reviews on iTunes and subscribing. That way we can maintain our level of this podcast and continue climbing on the iTunes charts, putting this podcast, this show, into other warrior-minded men's hands. We need to get this movement out there, continue it, because we're building stronger men because of this. And that is evident based on all the emails that I'm receiving from you gentlemen and the positive feedback. We are making a difference. We are changing lives. We are changing mindsets. That's what we're all about. Strengthening your mindset, strengthening your courage, strengthening your confidence, strengthening your body, mind, and spirit, getting you battle ready for the game of life. Guys, thank you for all of your support. Let's keep on kicking ass here because we're doing an unbelievable job. And let's get right into the show. Brent, welcome to the show. First off, I want to say thank you for your service. And I am really, really looking forward to having a great conversation with you. Thank you so much. Very excited to be here. Hey, listen, we were talking before the show and you have so much in store for us. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get into it. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Great. Thank you so much. Again, really appreciate you having me on. It's an honor to be here with you. Thanks for everything you do. Um, yeah, I'm originally from, from Dallas, Texas, and uh, started a career in finance after college and decided to make a shift and give to a cause bigger than myself and join the Navy, actually with a, a college buddy of mine. Yeah, with a, a dream of making it into the, the SEAL training pipeline and did so and um, navigated that course successfully uh, by the grace of God and joined SEAL Team 3, uh, or excuse me, SEAL Team 5, um, did a few tours there, um, got out and basically transitioned a lot of the principles and values I learned from 
uh, special operations combat experience into the world of entrepreneurship, building high performance teams, applying those leadership at all level principles, uh, aligning culture with strategy and improving trust and accountability within civilian organizations. And um, have been very blessed to build a couple companies since being out of the teams. I write a lot about these principles in my weekly columns on Forbes and Inc. And uh, have a book coming out coming out about these concepts here in February on February 20th. So that's a, a quick synopsis, but I'm sure we can get into some more stuff in a bit. So tell us what really drove you when you came out of the SEAL teams to step up and take your life in this direction? Was it something you had been thinking about before or was it something that you decided one day to say, hey, this is what I'm about and this is what I'm going to do? As much as I would like to say that it was a, a powerful vision aligned by a singular mission narrative, it was a, a little more organic than that. I, I, my, part of my plan, uh, my transition plan, people we talk a lot about, you know, are transitioning veterans into the workforce or into their next phase of life. My plan for my transition was to have no downtime. <laughs> so I applied for graduate school to get my MBA uh, before my last deployment. So took the GMAT, was accepted went on my last tour, and I was only out of the Navy for about two weeks before I started graduate school, which was by design. Um, and it was in graduate school, I, I'll admit that I had never really had any true vision of becoming an entrepreneur, but I was inspired by a couple classmates to join forces, and, and we did, and we started our first company and uh, raised about uh, $1.5 million for that business, launched it as soon as we graduated, um, built that company up, uh, raised more money, started a second company. Um, I sold my shares in that business, excuse me, we sold that business uh, a year ago, uh, last August. And so it, 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 was, it wasn't by design, it just kind of happened. And uh, just I, it was one of those situations where I was learning and relearning things as I went. Um, which is a humbling journey to say the to say the least. <laughs> there are many extremely <laughs> yeah. stressful moments because you know you you don't get out of the navy with a large savings account. So we were literally writing our checks here and there to pay the rent or pay the mortgage, and you know we were we were very blessed. Of course, we worked very hard, and um, both of those companies doubled in size every year uh, consecutively for every year that they were in existence before being sold. And um, but learned a lot about how you can apply uh, military leadership principles and le leadership at all levels and adaptability and, and really understanding how to apply culture to strategy in building successful organizations in the business world. Some good stuff right there. So talk to me a little bit about being an entrepreneur. How did you become a successful entrepreneur? Was it something you had to study? Was it something you just said, hey, I'm gonna step up and do this? No. <laughs> It's uh, not, not at all. Actually, I never uh, envisioned myself being an entrepreneur, to be totally honest. Uh, my, you know, my dad was in the Marine Corps during Vietnam, uh, went to uh, into commercial real estate business then into the real estate investment advisory business uh, all the while, you know, essentially working for larger companies. Then he started his own business, did that for a while, merged it with another larger company, but didn't really have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. It was just, I think a lot of it was the excitement, the risk, uh, all, albeit hopefully calculated risk, um, of working for myself and building my own team of high performers as opposed to just you know doing the grad school thing, 
going to work for Goldman Sachs, you know, and, and being miserable. It was, uh, it was more, so I was talking to my wife about this earlier today. We had a, a close friend here in Rancho Santa Fe who's the COO of a huge medical device company. And, you know, they just bought a very expensive house and, you know, he just apparently lost his job. And, you know, one of those things about being an entrepreneur and working for yourself is you own every piece of your success and every piece of your failure, which I, which I like, you know, it's the same sort of level of accountability that we have to have in, uh, in law enforcement, in special operations. And that's what I like about entrepreneurship. Excellent. Let's talk about your keynote presentations. And I've listened to quite a few of them and I get the impression that you're a very business-like man and that you speak from the heart, which I love. But more importantly, you leave your ego by the doorway, which is huge. In my opinion, that just makes you that much more real. So from here, where did you get the structure for your presentations? Was it the Navy SEALs? Was it the military? Or was it experience, life experience that brought you there? It's, it's, it's a good question and it's multifaceted. It's, it's principles that I learned in the SEAL teams, uh, in both in training and in you know, platoon life and in combat. Uh, it's, you know, the uh, many, many lessons learned <laughs> building my own companies and those successes and failures uh, that I've always continued to try and, you know, like we learn in law enforcement or in the military, we're, we're constantly taking lessons learned and applying them to improving our tactics and strategy. I, I believe that the military and law enforcement do the best job of becoming and building lifelong learners because we have to move at the speed that our conflicts require us to. Uh, we don't have time like slower moving, larger business organizations do. Um, so, but you can really apply a lot of those tactics and strategies uh, to, to businesses today now more than ever. So a lot of, almost all of what I speak about in organizations today and is, is basically what my whole book is about, is about leading through change. So leading organizational transformation, dealing with change. Basically every organization across the globe in the 21st century is dealing with change now more than ever due to globalization, emerging technology, seemingly endless array of job opportunities for today's workforce, organizational transparency due to all the online resources now. <laughs> you know, there's, you're not hiding anything about your organization or your culture. So the power is in the hands of the job seeker, not the employer, which puts organizations in a precarious place, which is both a problem but also a great opportunity for companies that can force themselves to learn how to manage culture, uh, improve engagement, improve trust and accountability, and really have a workforce that is totally aligned behind that single mission narrative. They share the values inside and outside of the office. They all believe in what the organization is trying to achieve. So for example, today I was prepping for an event I have next week with Bank of America and uh, the group CEO for their wholesale credit division uh, he's like, I'll, I'll go ahead and start and I'll just kind of tell you what kind of my vision for the messaging for the keynote next week. And literally everything he rattled off down to the keywords he used was almost every chapter of my book. <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> just relevant to the content, but it's right. called Taking Point, so a military reference. But the subtitle is A Navy SEAL's 10 Failsafe Principles for Leading Through Change. It's a business book, a very prescriptive business book about leading organizational transformation. So aligning culture with strategy, improving trust and accountability, involving as many people in the organization in that, you know, that change mission planning process. Um, so get, gaining buy-in and participation for all of your team members. 
because um, that's what will kill any sort of growth opportunity or transformation process in a business. And really, truly building disciplined, resilient teams and organizations that can't just deal reactively with the changes they're facing today, but with the changes they're going to face tomorrow and over and over again in this, for lack of a better term, 21st century reality that we all exist in. Gentlemen, just a quick order of business here. I want to show my appreciation to you guys by giving you a free manual. This is a brand new manual. It's titled Strengthen Your Warrior Spirit, Eight Strategies for Optimum Performance in Life and in Business, a manual designed specifically for entrepreneurs and warrior-minded men. Get it for free at forgingawarrior.com forward slash manual. Now back to the show. So have you seen a change, and you've been doing this for a few years, in mindset, maybe a mind shift that just happened over the last few years, um, specifically in leadership? Yes. Uh, and again, there goes one of the other keywords. Chapter six in the book is about mindset transformation. And that really does have to start first with the senior leadership teams. Um, what I like about your question is that I'd say in large part, the answer is sort of. I think that senior leaders in organizations, and these are, you know, these can be global organizations or small businesses, they're starting to realize that they need to have a mindset transformation. They're starting to realize that change is imminent and they have to learn how to lead change successfully in their organizations. But unfortunately, still today, 70% of organizational transformation efforts fall significantly short of their goals due to sort of that lack of ability to transform mindset. And if a senior leader can't do that, then the team's not gonna be able to do that. But in the successful organizations that are thriving today, they are doing a good job of what we have been able to do in sort of this post 9-11 reality as far as decentralizing controls, disseminating leadership responsibility down the chain of command. So instead of almost basically replacing old hierarchies more so with still having hierarchy, but overlapping those hierarchies with ecosystems and networks of truly empowered teams and leaders from the top all the way to the bottom of the organization. And that gives senior leaders the ability to really focus on the vision, focus on the, the high level strategy, communicating that and disseminating it throughout the organization. And it gives leadership responsibility down to your frontline troops. You of course have to empower them and empowerment can only come with the proper training and the proper tools and resources because you obviously have to set them up for success, not failure. Um, so it's, it's a complicated thing. And I think people are starting to realize what needs to be done. A lot of organizations don't yet have the, the skill set um, or understanding of exactly how to do it. And that's a lot of what I try to address in my writings and talking and my talks and, and the book and stuff. Right on, right on. So let's talk about empowering leadership. A individual that is brand new at being a leader wants to empower his team, wants to get them motivated, wants to get them going. Talk to me about that. What can an individual do tactically to get his team to that higher level and to motivate them? The singular answer to that question starts with focusing and prioritizing engagement. So just like empowerment, engagement is now another business buzzword that's thrown out there a lot. And I think a lot of leaders and managers are still struggling somewhat to understand kind of exactly not just how those 
concepts are defined, but how they're defined in their reality, in their organization, or in their team. Um, you can't have true empowerment without engagement. So some interesting statistics, according to Gallup, globally only 15% of the workforce can be defined as engaged. So team and team members that are emotionally connected to their work, they know how their work uh, applies to driving organizational goals forward. They go above and beyond their responsibilities. They're accountable, they're trustworthy, they are trusted. And 67% of the workforce is quantified as disengaged. And that's kind of a hard team member to identify because they're generally satisfied, they're often even happy, but they're given the bare minimum, they're clocking in, they're clocking out, uh, and they're both a problem and opportunity. Problem meaning maybe you're never gonna get what you need out of them to take the organization to the next level, or maybe with the right approach and the right empowerment, the right resources and the right coaching, you'll get them up into that engaged category. And then 18% of the workforce is actively disengaged, meaning they're working against the organization. <laughs> those are the people that need to go. Um, we all know who those people are. Um, but it, it starts with, empowerment starts with engagement. Getting a team who is emotionally connected to the cause. That means you first have to get the, as they say, get the right people on the bus and make sure you have them in the right roles. Truly engaged team members who are truly empowered have to be able to answer certain questions confidently or make certain statements confidently. I'm, I know exactly how my work applies to the mission of the organization. I'm able to do what I'm best at doing every single day. I feel emotionally connected to what the organization is trying to achieve. I have a, a clear understanding of the vision of what we're trying to accomplish. I think we do a good job of that in the military and in special operations. I, I jokingly, but kind of seriously say we have 100% employee engagement in the SEAL teams. Um, everybody's bought in. You know, I, it's not perfect, right. not everybody, you know, but I like to think that. <laughs> right, right, right. Check that data point, but, um, but it, it, empowerment starts with engagement. Engagement has to start with, with leaders clearly communicating uh, the mission narrative, everybody understands what the team is trying to accomplish. They have the training, they have the tools, they have the resources to gain the skill set needed to excel in their position. And hopefully they're in the right position that aligns with the skills they do have or even the skills they desire to gain. Um, and then constantly, the manager's job is to constantly not just prioritize engagement so that they can have empowered team members, but always talk about engagement, have open, transparent discussions. That's one thing that's not really done very well in the civilian or corporate world is that level of transparency of communication and feedback peer to peer, especially that we have in the military, that we have in law enforcement, because we're in a constant learning cycle. And that learning cycle depends heavily on very transparent communication, uh, you know, in the team room, you know, that, and that's not just bottom, top down, that's bottom up as well. You know, managing up, leading up, providing transparent feedback upward, up the chain of command as equally as it is down. And when you can do that and you provide those team members with the resources to be successful, then you can, as a leader and as you should, empower them with meaningful work. They understand why that work's meaningful. Empowerment can only be authentic if the work they're being empowered with is actually meaningful to the mission purpose of the organization. I've seen that and I've made that mistake before. You you empower somebody with something important, but then you micromanage them, or you empower them with something that really has no true value and let them run with it. <laughs> true, true empowerment is giving them meaningful work and then getting the hell out of their way. 
that of course mistakes will be made and that's fine. That's part of a learning culture. You use those moments as coaching moments. And if for whatever reason, there's not improvement, then obviously changes have to be made. But that's my definition of, of how you get an empowered team for the mm. process. Of Interesting. That's a different angle. Good stuff. So let's talk about a strong leader and how he goes about disseminating his vision to his team and getting his team sold on his vision. I mean, that to me is a crucial aspect of being a good leader, a good, strong leader, because if you don't have the capacity to sell your team on your vision and have them buy into it, you got an issue because your team in general is going to basically be strong based on what you give them. Your vision is what they're fighting for. I mean, aligning them with your vision, it's crucial, in my opinion, anyways. So tell me how to get my guys to see eye to eye with me. Well, that's a fantastic question. It goes into everything we're talking about. You come in as a, in a management position, you have a vision. Now, again, obviously your vision has to align with the overarching a vision of the organization or the goals that your you know, department or division or what have you is trying to accomplish, obviously. Um, but when you have that vision and, it, and it's, it's aligned, uh, if, there's, if there needs to be alignment amongst other uh, managers or leaders at your level, then that has to be established first so that you're all communicating an aligned message, an aligned narrative, because if there's miscommunication or misalignment there, it causes confusion and it sort of dilutes the authenticity of that vision message, that vision narrative. But if you have that and it's aligned and it's in line with meeting the goals of the team or the organization, then you know, my suggestion always, and, and, and studies support this and other you know, subject matter experts do as well, is it, it has to be communicated, as they say, early, often, and always. Uh, it has to be communicated formally. It has to be communicated informally and almost and this goes along the lines with the purpose of the organization, the, the values, like the core values, for example. Managers and leaders need to find almost uh, every opportunity they can, formally and informally, to do what I call purposeful storytelling. If there's an opportunity to use an example of something that happened that day and how it supports your vision as a manager or leader, a vision you've been communicating, well, use that opportunity to say, hey, you know, this project went this well, or Johnny over here did this great thing, and and uh, it was totally aligned with what we're trying to accomplish. It's aligned with our vision. Here's why, and that continues to help people see what that vision is. It helps you further define the win, so to speak, for the team, and they can start to really visualize uh, what winning is going to look like because they're seeing examples of it. It's called you know it's called celebrating those quick wins. So you're using those opportunities every day, every week to align activities that are going on that, that support that vision. Now, conversely, the same is true with things that do not support the vision, the behaviors that don't support the vision, the actions that don't support it, the mindsets that aren't quite aligned with that vision. Those are opportunities for storytelling as well and saying, hey, guys, we need a little course correction here. You know, there's some areas that don't really align with the vision that we've been clearly communicating. Sure, sure. So let's make sure that we're all getting aligned. If there's questions asked, you know, communicate upwards as well. And, and just having those continual conversations, it opens up the lines of transparency and helps people continue further connect because you're never going to have 100% buy-in. That's just never going to happen in any team, in any environment. Not everybody's going to align with the mission and vision. 
and eventually the, those that don't, that cannot be transformed into uh, folks that do buy in, then they need to be processed out. And the others that are sort of on the fence will eventually uh, gain the enthusiasm and, and emotional connection and, and eventually be bought in. Very cool. So let's step outside the boardroom here. And I want you to give me two components that an individual can use to increase, to strengthen their leadership skills. If I could only choose two, and uh, I could probably think of a million right now, but in this very moment, the first two things that came to my mind, just being totally honest, are uh, humility. Um, so being humble, uh, being accepting of feedback, not even accepting of feedback, but having a burning desire for transparent feedback from everybody in your organization. The, the best way in my experience to, to grow as a leader in any environment is having your peers, uh, those above you, those beside you, and those underneath you in the organizational structure provide you with regular feedback. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly in anonymous 360 reviews, but also even more informally, having a culture in your team where people are allowed to speak up and they're encouraged to speak up. In my last company, one of our core values was everyone has a voice. I put that in place sort of as a tenant from the transparency we have in special operations community, like when we're in an after action review, you leave rank and emotion at the door and everybody has a voice in talking about what went right, what went wrong and how we're going to improve. And I think that applies to any organization, but you have to, you have to really embody that humility uh, and, and be a humble leader and a humble warrior um, to be accepting of that. And that honestly though, builds trust better than any other thing I've ever seen. Yes, 100% with you. I agree. And the bottom line is that, yes, I mean, a good leader has to be transparent. A good leader has to have humility. A good leader has to hang his coat, his ego in the doorway, right? I mean, because I believe anyways, I mean, I, you're the expert, but I believe that a good, strong leader, man, has to have a balance of humility and power. All right, let's go right into the next one. And the next one is, is not too far of a cry from that one. It's sort of almost an offshoot and they're connected intimately in some ways. But the one is great leaders I've seen are lifelong learners. They never assume they know everything. They're never typically satisfied <laughs> with their level of knowledge, their level of situational awareness, um, or even their level of skill at being a leader. Um, they're always striving to, to, to be better to do more, to learn more, to learn from their peers, learn from their mentors. Most uh, great leaders have mentors and have had mentors most of their career uh, in, you know, in sports, in business, in, in whatever uh, organization they might be, and they seek that out. Uh, they don't wait for it to come to them. And that, that inspires you know, lifelong learning in an organization for people around you. But um, when, you know, when great leaders are out there constantly learning, they're reading, they're writing, they're studying other great leaders, um, and and it kind of goes back to humility. They're humble enough to do so because they know that sure. it you know excellence is is you know there's nothing it's there's no there's no such thing as perfection. You know I define excellence as sort of an aggressive pursuit of 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 seeking perfection, but you, but you'll never get there, um, which is sort of the interesting thing about it. Um, but if you're constantly seeking it, you're always going to be sort of in this constant state of improvement. And, and then if you're improving yourself personally and professionally, then you're going to be able to uh, help improve your team, be a coach to them and you know, drive, 
drive performance. You're absolutely right on that. I mean, it's it not necessarily that you have to achieve that excellence, even though you're striving for it. The action of striving for it is going to make you a better person. It's going to make you a stronger person. It's going to increase your mindset. I mean, it's all about the journey. It's all about getting there. That's how you build character. That's how you build the warrior spirit. All right, Brent. So tell me a story about a time in your life where you had to use your leadership skills. Um, okay. I'll... Uh... Let's get deep. <laughs> Let's go. I um, and and I'll say you, you said you know when you had to use leadership. Um, it, it what again what came to mind is is something that was not a fun part uh, of my life. Um, and I wasn't a I, I wouldn't call myself a great leader. This was in my first company. Obviously, I also had to transform my leadership and management style um, from you know the military to the civilian world and. I'll tell you what, managing these millennials is a lot different than managing a SEAL platoon. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that again. We can sit here and talk for five hours. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that on the next show. <laughs> I got a lot of notes on that. Oh, no, but, um, you know, in all seriousness, uh, it was, uh, I'd been out of the teams for a few years out of grad school. Um, we we're, we we're, had the first company had started up. Uh, the first company, admittedly, was uh, it was basically a search engine, uh, like a Trulia, early version of Trulia um, or Zillow. Uh, but this was uh, right around 2007, 2008. You're like, what the hell's going on with the economy? Mm -hmm. uh, so we started realizing that our economics professor in grad school was spot on that there was going to be a massive, if not even global recession, including the complete destruction of the housing market. Um, so we had raised more money, started a second company that was a little bit more diversified outside of you know, the real estate world. So I had two companies, one more mature, one a startup, and I was married with uh, my oldest son. He's now 11. He was two at the time, but sparing details, I got transformed into a full-time single parent literally overnight. Um, so it goes back to when we think about leadership in any organization, the lines of personal and professional are, are not just blurred. There almost is no line there. Uh, your personal life is intimately part of your professional life and vice versa. It's very hard to keep those things separate, especially when you're in a leadership position and dealing with the complexities of leadership uh, in general. And it, it was a time where I really had to look in the mirror and say, can I do this? Can I do all of this? I was essentially the CEO of two companies, and then all of a sudden, a full-time single parent. And it was, needless to say, a bit of a gut punch, especially when, you know, I had been busy starting these companies. And, you know, I didn't necessarily know all the details about how to uh, take care of a toddler and where his socks were and sure. <laughs> exactly oh, what dietary needs were. I, I obviously knew all that <laughs> stuff. I'm a very hands-on parent, but I was also very busy at the time. So... I kind of joke about it because I'm just kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> kind of looked at my son who was two. I'm like, uh, what now, buddy? <laughs> Where does mom keep your stuff? And, uh, it, you know, and I, you know, it's, it, it goes back to that conversation we had before. It's like, you, you, you want, you gotta, I gotta be a man. I gotta be strong. I gotta be bold. I gotta have a positive mental attitude. Um, and sometimes we say that, but it's not necessarily inwardly authentic. We're still scared. We're full of fear, self-doubt. 
and I even addressed my company. I pulled everybody together. It wasn't a big company at the time. There was total of both companies. There's probably only 60 people, but you know, I said, Hey guys, I just want to be fully transparent with you. I like to get ahead of these types of things because in a small organization, everybody's going to find out, you know, sooner rather than later, you better get, a, get ahead of the, of the gossip <laughs> and, and, and before people start drawing their own conclusions about what's going on. Right. And I just said, Hey, look guys, this is what's going on. Um, it's not going to affect my ability to lead these organizations. Um, you know, it, it's not going to be easy. You're not going to see me necessarily as much because it's on me to, you know, do the preschool run, the pickup and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And people are of course, you know, very, very supportive, but at the same time, it did affect my ability to lead those organizations in the manner in which they needed to be led. And uh, there was a time, so this is sort of almost a, uh, and, and I did my best, uh, but this is also, there's a time in leadership when you need to know that you are out of your element and you do not have the ability to lead in the capacity you need to at that moment. Those times might change. So this is kind of a spin on what you probably thought you were going to hear, but on, in one of those companies, I removed myself temporarily from the CEO position and handed it off because I knew that. I could not do it to the to the ability that it needed to be done in a fast moving startup and an even faster moving industry. And frankly, uh, I, I believe in family first and I wasn't going to pass my my son off who just basically lost a mom, not lost, but went away <laughs> um, uh, to a series of back to back nannies all day long. Um, so I decided to stick to my core values, put family first remove myself for that position temporarily and prioritize my son. So being a leader isn't just about always being strong, forthright, bold acts of greatness. It's also acts of humility and acts of self-realization and self-reflection when you realize that you can't serve the team in the capacity you need to. And sometimes you have to ask somebody else to step up. Yeah, that's what warriors do. I mean, it took a lot of courage in your part and, uh, the bottom line is that you you know you go out there you do the right thing and at that moment you felt that that was the right thing to do and you put your family first and I'm pretty confident that you don't regret it for one second at all not a second so I want to talk a little bit about the younger generation as a police academy instructor over the last decade or so I have seen a uh, shift in the mindset of the younger generation uh, specifically in their leadership skills. It seems to me that there is a consistent lack of structure for these, especially the younger generation, on how to lead, on what leadership is about. And I just see it. I mean, and it's uh, very, very difficult to swallow, especially when you put these younger cadets in positions to lead and uh, they fail miserably. We need more people like yourself that are stepping up and giving individuals and companies and teams a structure, something to go by, some great leadership tactics, some great leadership skills. I think we're in need of this big time. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, the way that we lead and manage, and again, those are two different disciplines, but the way we lead and manage uh, today's younger workforce, whether it be in law enforcement or in the military or in civilian organizations, is vastly different than, than it used to be. And, and 
I don't think any of us have the silver bullet answer because there isn't a silver bullet answer, but it, it really goes with having and trying to gain a deep understanding of how your workforce, regardless of which generation they come from, because that's a tenet of leadership and management anyways, you're going to have to manage some people differently than you manage others, obviously. People are inspired by different things. They're empowered by different things. They're, you know, they, you know, some prefer hmm. monetary compensation yeah. over a flexible work schedule. Yeah, you know, but, you know, a study I read recently showed that uh, most people in the workforce today, especially those younger generations, would forego a $20,000 year in bonus for a more flexible work schedule. And, uh, you know, so it's uh, having an understanding of those. And again, going back to being a lifelong learner, one of, the, one of the tenets of being a good leader or manager is studying these things, you know, talking to the consultants, reading the reports, figuring it out. And then, of course, doing your own research within your organization, within your teams and getting their feedback. I, I believe wholeheartedly in surveys, uh, open forum feedbacks, one-on-one -on -one scenarios. So you get an understanding of how each individual um, in the team thinks, you know, what they're motivated by. Um, and that does several things simultaneously. You know, they, you know, that they know that they, you care about them and you care about their success and their career path, which is a big, um, uh, connection with the younger workforce today, but you're also gaining knowledge as a leader. So you can understand, um, how your words and your actions are going to affect the team and the individuals in the team. Um, there is no perfect answer, uh, and I don't think we have it all figured out yet. Somebody said to me, ironically, based on what you said, somebody said this was a few months ago, but I was talking a bit about the concepts of my book and talking also about you know the 21st century organization and learning to lead multi-generational workforces and the younger set and Somebody said, man, if you could figure that out, you'd have, you'd have the golden goose in Absolutely. hand, which I have not figured it out yet. <laughs> you don't think, and I tell you right, right now, I don't think we're going to figure it out in our lifetime. No. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you look at this upcoming generation, the one that's backing up behind this uh, current generation, who knows how that's going to be in my line of work, specifically from being an instructor. Uh, law enforcement instructor that we have to kind of pick and choose and get a feel for who is leading who is uh, a leader um, you know we have individuals that get assigned to be class leaders um, and uh, most of them believe it or not come from the military do you see in law enforcement obviously I've, I've been most of my managerial experience has been in in the corporate world as far as the things we're talking about but do you see similar uh, similarities in law enforcement and the military? Are we seeing these types of uh, challenges from a management leadership standpoint with the younger set? Uh, does it apply across the board regardless of organization or law enforcement, military, corporate? Well, Brent, I think that overall, I mean, coming from a law enforcement side, uh, we've seen a monster change, a monster mindset change. Uh, we've seen a internal fortitude change. Um, the cadets that are walking in through the doors unless they have had some type of military experience. And even then so, and this is what's concerning to me, um, we see the character, we see the demeanor of these young police officers. They are different, much different, and not for the better uh, than they were coming in through the doors uh, 10 years ago. Now, I will say this, they're much more educated book-wise, but um, when it comes to 
common sense, when it comes to internal fortitude, when it comes to leadership skills, um, it is quite a bit lacking. In my humble opinion, I think just the entire mindset of most individuals in this new generation is completely different um, and it's weak. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's weak. And uh, I see it across the board from my students to police officers to cadets. And it's not just here. I mean, I travel all over the world, specifically in South America, and I teach law enforcement and, and, and military guys over there. And it's the same type of mindset, unfortunately, and it's not a very strong one. So I don't think it's just here in the U.S. And I don't think that we're going to recoup anytime soon without the help of some good, strong individuals that step up and can help lead the way by giving others a structure and some tactics and techniques to better themselves and by being awesome examples. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. So tell me, Brent, what inspires you? What motivates you? I, I mean, I'm definitely motivated by, by challenge. I'm motivated by pushing myself outside my comfort zone in any arena, every chance I get. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of being, becoming comfortable with the discomfort of, of change. Like there's a saying we have in the SEAL teams, you get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, I've learned that the magic really happens in anyone's life outside of your comfort zone, not in your comfort zone. Um, and you were sort of mentioning that, or I think it was in our conversation before we started, but you know, that, that mindset where people, they kind of do the bare minimum. They kind of wait for things to happen to them as opposed to being bold, um, setting lofty goals, taking calculated risk is another thing that motivates me. Uh, anytime I reflect back in my life to a point where I made a dynamic shift that led to something great. It was scary and it was a major risk, but it was a calculated one and it led to, to great things. If I hadn't decided to go in the Navy, I'd still probably be working in commercial real estate finance in Dallas. <laughs> you know, if I hadn't decided to take the risk of being an entrepreneur, I wouldn't be where I am today, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth. I, here's another one. You know, I asked my wife to, to marry me a month after we got, uh, after we met <laughs> and, and we have two, two more kids later, we're happily married in Rancho Santa Fe. Um, that, was, that was a calculated risk right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was, there was a lot of begging involved, but the, the outcome was the same. <laughs> oh brother, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So did you have a mentor when you were growing up? I wouldn't say I had a, a mentor per se. My dad was a great uh, influence on me. Uh, you know, he was a, a collegiate swimmer at SMU. I ended up going to SMU, not because he went there, but, you know, I swam competitively in high school and he was always, he had a fascinating ability to be both a workaholic in his career, but always available, you know, coaching the teams at every game, you know, home at night at the same time, a very predictable schedule. But, you know, he worked his butt off and after everybody went to bed, he would Know, work more. You know, I, I don't necessarily, that's not my idea of an ideal marriage per se. My parents are still together, but I wouldn't, yeah. that's not necessarily how I would define a, a successful marriage today. But, um, but then, you know, in, in, uh, in college, you know, just other, you know, people around me, but, uh, you know, I, when I came up to San Diego for buds, um, one of the guys that my dad swam with at SMU had gone right into, uh, the military. He was a, SEAL team guy during Vietnam, 
uh, and then moved to San Diego, or excuse me, stayed in San Diego. He's uh, at a team out here. And, you know, he's my dad's age in mid seventies now, but, you know, worked for Merrill Lynch his whole life afterwards and uh, kind of became the, the voice of reason and the voice of reality as far as the, the choice I had made and what I was about to get myself into. Um, but also became a mentor both while I was going through, uh, through the program, um, going on deployments and also uh, when I became an entrepreneur and he ended up actually uh, being an investor in both my companies. <laughs> so that turned out nicely. Um, cool. But it, it's, uh, and a lot of the mentorship I've, I've had too is in, um, you know, so I do a lot of reading and, and because I do a lot of writing, but, um, a lot of the business books I like, I'm a Hemingway is my favorite author. Um, so I like the concept of traveling Europe on a low budget and drinking your face off every day, but that's uh, not something I get to do. <laughs> so I read about it, <laughs> but again, other, you know, other business books and, and also too, just, uh, just seeing the, you know, the droves of, I'm very inspired by the droves of veterans entering the workforce and seeing some of the amazing things they're doing in entrepreneurship in business and philanthropy and politics it's uh it's just it's really inspiring to see and and i i also mentor i've become a mentor myself so i mentor young men into the seal program and through the seal program and it's uh well that's one of the things that i i kind of try to hone in on whether they be enlisted or officers is also keeping in mind the amazing career if you put your mind to it the amazing career and the tools you're going to gain now how you can use those as a springboard and a stepping off point to do amazing things uh, after the military and to, and, and to give back. I believe wholeheartedly in, in giving back in any way you can. One of my biggest goals in life has to be successful enough to have the time and resources to, to give back and not just, again, not just getting money, but giving time, which is even almost more important. So my wife and I and our family are the ambassador family for March of Dimes. Uh, Our three and a half year old had a birth defect when she was born. She's fine now, but um, and then I'm on the executive board of the SEAL Family Foundation. So one of the ways I continue to give back to the community, of course, is to we raise money for the families of our fallen brothers. That's some good stuff right there. That is a warrior. That's what a warrior is made of. You know, that's what you do. You step up for your community. You step up for a cause that you believe in and you give of yourself. You give of yourself to others. You give of yourself to help others get better. I mean, the bottom line is that if you don't give of yourself, in my book, you are not a warrior. And I do everything that I can to give back to my community. Not only do I serve my community, but I do my best to give listeners of this podcast the best information that I possibly can by bringing on some strong warrior-minded men so we can extract knowledge, so we can extract information from these individuals and implement them into our life, implement them to live better lives. I mean, that's what it's all about. When everything is said and done, all right, it's, a, it's, it's about fortifying men. It's about forging warriors. We need them. No, I, I love what you're doing. I love the, the, the premise behind it. I love the fact you're giving to something bigger than yourself and helping others because at the end of the day, brother, you know, all this stuff around us, we ain't taking it with us <laughs> when we go. Yep. But if we have made the world a little bit better place than we found it, then that's what's important. Right on, man. Absolutely. So so we were talking about books before. Talk to me a little bit about your new book that's coming out. 
So again, the new book, uh, Taking Point, the Navy SEALs 10 Failsafe Principles for Leading Through Change. It's, it, you know, they're, they're, it, you know, it's designed to be uh, easy to read, entertaining, but ultimately it's a prescriptive business book about leading organizational change. So the principles though really apply to any team, any organization, any industry, um, things about culture, trust, accountability, uh, participation, alignment, buy-in, resiliency, discipline, all these principles that are imperative for any high-performance organization that will thrive, succeed, dominate the competition, and really exist and grow in sort of this 21st century VUCA environment. That's another one of our many military acronyms, as you probably know, but it's, mm-hmm. it refers to the volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous environments that we operate in the military and the law force, but that acronym is now widely used in the global business community, referring to the same reality that we all live in. And so that's what the book is about. It gives, it provides tools, strategies, methodologies. It's not, and it kind of, I wanted, and I've gotten a lot of feedback from people in the SEAL community in the business world because I want it to stay true to like your comments about sort of the brand I'm trying to build. It's humble. There's not a, there's no lengthy war stories. And for many reasons, of course, that any references to stories of training or in combat are very light on the details uh, intentionally. And they're very brief just to set the tone for a principle that I'm talking about. But unlike a lot of business books or, you know, I think I say it's, it's not another, uh, it's not another special operations combat book disguised as a business leadership book. We've right. got enough. Of this is where you realize 90% of the content is just a war story. Now, again, those are entertaining. Those books do great every single time, but that's not what this is about. This book is supposed to be a guide for leaders and managers to thrive in the 21st century, to deal with change, improve accountability and trust, and really build resilient organizations that are going to grow and, and dominate the competition. Very good. I can't wait to read it. I'm going to put a link on the show notes so that way my listeners could go ahead and click that and uh, pick up a copy. Before we go, I would like to ask you a question that I ask all my guests towards the end of all my shows. What is the definition of a modern day warrior? It's a great question. I think it goes back to some of the things that we talked about because I believe a modern day warrior is, is a leader in the truest sense of the word. So uh, there's, there's many uh, things that align with that. We talked about humility. We talked about being a lifelong learner, putting family first, uh, and really having a perspective on you know, the reality of the world around you, being accepting of feedback, uh, and uh, being a warrior, as you know, is not about being macho. It's not about being tough. Uh, just uh, for example, the, the, the Bud's Pipeline takes care of all that organically. <laughs> you, could never, you could never handpick the guys that will be standing next to you at graduation. You've got the big, tough, scary-looking guys that will quit in the first day. You've got Olympic athletes who will quit in you know, the first week. Uh, and you guys who, got, who look like accountants who crush you in a 15-mile ruck run. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those it, – it, it's, it's about – it really is about mindset and having your priorities straight. Uh, going back to what we talked about, uh, being humble, giving back. You know, I've been in situations where I've been – you know, in a gunfight one minute and the next minute I'm carrying two four-year-old little girls across the room who are barefoot because there's glass everywhere and their mom is injured because of the explosive breach we did on the target. You know, you have to be able to dial up your intensity when needed, to be confident, to be bold, be aggressive, 
and have a focused aggression to achieve the mission, whatever that mission is. You also have to be humble. You have to be kind, tender, empathetic. I believe that today's great warriors, regardless of what realm they live and fight in, have a high level of emotional intelligence. Uh, they're very self-aware. They're empathetic. Um, they communicate well. And they're, they're disciplined in how they manage their emotions in certain situations uh, in a healthy manner, not in an unhealthy manner. So um, I could probably go on and on, but those are some of the things that come to mind. When I, I think love it. That. I love it. I love it. I mean, that is what a warrior is made of. This is what I preach day in and day out. You got to wear two hats and you have to balance your life. One second, you're out there in a firefight. You're in there, you know, exploding violence of action. And in the next minute, you're there helping a little girl. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about switching your hats, being able to turn that trigger on and off, being able to turn that light switch on and off. You got to be able to step into hell and then come right out of it and be able to help people. You got to have the compassion and be able to go out there and help others and give of yourself as we spoke of earlier. I mean, that is so great. I love that. You know, one second we're out there fighting evil. The next we're being a dad. The next we're playing around with our kids. The next thing we're stepping up to protect our family. Gentlemen, this is what a modern day warrior is about. You got to have the courage. You got to have the focus. You have to have the discipline and you have to have more than anything, a balance of body, mind, and spirit. Brent, man, you've been awesome. I love everything you're saying. It sounds like we are very aligned in all these. Oh, yes, we are, man. Listen, where can people reach you and look you up um, and especially get you on board for a speaking engagement? I think the best singular resource or funnel is my website. It's BrentGleasonSpeaker.com. My last name is with two E's, not an E and A. So BrentGleasonSpeaker.com. It's got everything about speaking. It's got links to my Forbes column, Inc. column. There's videos on there, links to my Twitter and, and LinkedIn. And so that's probably the best sort of pipeline uh, to find out a little bit more about me. And just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. It was an honor to be chatting with you and look forward to many more conversations, either online or offline. For sure, man. Absolutely. You can count on that. All right, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all the links, okay, to your website and to your book on the show notes. So you guys can stop in and uh, pick up a copy of his book as soon as it's available. All right, man. Listen, it was a true honor to have you on. And we learned so much from you. And I really appreciate the time that you've given us. And we will definitely have you on soon uh, to promote your new book that's coming out. And I just want to let you know that I admire your demeanor and all the things that you are doing for a great cause. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks, brother, as should you. And appreciate everything you do every day and, uh, and what you're doing with this podcast. So uh, thank you so much. And I look forward to continued chats and your friendship. Absolutely, brother. And you stay safe out there, and we'll talk soon. Well, there you have it. A kick-ass conversation about striving for excellence, about changing your mindset. Remember, it takes action in your part to make it happen. Real quick here, check us out on social media platforms. We have Twitter, we have Facebook, and we also have Instagram, Man of War Podcast. Last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with other warrior-minded men and leave a review on iTunes. That is how we will continue to grow this brotherhood. Until next time, remember, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory. 